All right. There we go. The history of bowling. Now, I've, of course, for those of you who love the film The Big Lebowski, um, the, the movie is rather centered around bowling. And I've been, you know, taking my little dude action figure all over. Well, actually, he's more of a non-action figure. But uh, I've been taking him all over the world with me, you know, taking various pictures. This is actually a picture from a bowling alley in Munich, Germany. It's uh, below a, a steak restaurant. And in Germany, they actually call it Kegel. And we'll get into that later. But... Yeah, bowling has been around for a long time. In fact, we think it dates back to about 5,000 years ago, right? So bowling actually had its roots in ancient Egypt. And we've actually had evac um, excavations which have uncovered structures that are much like a bowling alley and found balls that were used to play. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting. So, um, first of all, the uh, the game was played with a lane about 4 meters long and 20 centimeters wide. And it had a pit in the middle that was about, oh, 2 centimeters deep. Here you can see the uh, the ball and actually the uh, one of the bowling alleys. It was actually kind of underground in there that they excavated out. And if you look at this game, this is what we think they were playing. So we think that, or historians believe, that the game was played by basically two opposing sides that would try and roll their balls toward the center of the alley and get it into that little middle lower section pit. Now, the player which had the most balls in the middle pit would win. Yeah, um, that's what historians believe the game rules were. Um, we see very similar roots of those same game, game mechanics in games such as Patunk or Jeu de Boule, yeah, or uh, Bowls. Yeah, these are all various uh, variations of essentially this game. So that's there we see, you know, it, it, it kind of the roots of all of these bowling games, but Patunk and Show to Bull and, and Bulls, that's all, where, where's, where's the pins, right? Where's the pins? Well, that's when the game actually took a shift in about 300 AD in Germany. So actually Germans, the nihilists, yeah, were huge on bowling. And actually it was these... Germans that actually invented the bowling that we have today, adapting it from this Egyptian ancient game. And what they would do is in, you know, 300 AD, we see these parishioner sticks arrive. So the Germans, they would have these, you know, it's like these walking sticks that you go up into the hills and, and you know, depending on the number of mountain peaks you've climbed, you have all these little, you know, nooks and things in it. And what they used to do is parishioners, they would put their sticks up and they would knock them down by throwing stones, right, at it to absolve of their sins. So, you know, it's like, oh, I've got three sins, you know, of, of lust, gluttony and, and laziness, you know, oh, put those three sticks down, hey, knock them away. So 
it was really interesting when a German historian, William Peel, asserted that bowling actually began in his country in 300 AD. Well, it didn't actually start in his country. It actually goes back much further to Egypt. But the Germans did adopt a new component, which was the stick. And that's when everything started to go crazy because this idea of knocking down these sticks became very popular. In fact, so popular that King Edward III banned bowling in 1366. Yep. And he he basically, you know, outlawed it essentially or allegedly because his troops were focusing far too much on bowling rather than archery, right? So that was uh that was the first time, the first time, but not the last time that bowling was banned. Now, Henry VI actually reversed the ban in 1455. And then, you know, it was like, you know, 15th century London briefly became, you know, the heaven to, you know, the all-weather bowling alleys and doors again. You know, well, you know, Henry VI, he was, you know, French, so maybe he liked the petanque or jeu de boule uh, a bit much. Now, anyways, so that was in 1455. So, you know, we basically had, you know, some almost 100 years in England that bowling was banned bastards. Now, over in Germany, we run into Martin Luther. Now, I'm not talking about Martin Luther King Jr. No, I'm not talking about the original Martin Luther that, you know, shook up the Catholic Church with his post-it note, all right? Now, apparently, Martin Luther was a really avid bowler, so much so that he actually had a bowling alley at his house that he would play with his grandchildren. Now, Martin Luther... Up well, you have to understand. Up until that time, until the you know 1500s, basically they would pay with the all number of pins. They would have you know basically six pins. They would have twelve pins. They might have four pins. They might have ten pins. And Martin Luther said the ultimate perfect divine number to play bowling is with nine pins, and it was basically in the shape of a diamond. Yeah, and so the name nine pins became synonymous with bowling for hundreds of years. And we see in the 1500s, this popularity rise again. In fact, um, it was uh, Sir Francis uh, Drake who uh, accordingly on July 18th in 1588, when Drake was uh, on the lawn playing a game of uh, bowling, a messenger from the Spanish Armada, uh, or a messenger came and said that the Spanish Armada was, was approaching. And Sir Francis Drake said, we still have fought time to finish the game and thrash the Spaniards too. Well, according to legend, he lost the game, but he did win the war. But that didn't matter. No, 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 because... He was actually, uh, uh, I mean, again, you know, we got Henry VIII here who banned nine pins for the poor in 1541. Basically, he said, no, you got you to gotta pay a tax, a fee of a hundred pounds. Now, this is back in the 1540s, a hundred pounds. That's like, that's like a hundred thousand pounds today. Just to play a game of bowling, what an elitist mother yeah. So 
He felt compelled to legislate against the sport again in the 16th century, and he declared that only the wealthy could bowl uh, convenient for him, since London's Whitehall Palace had recently been rebuilt with outdoor bowling lanes. Oh, yes. You cannot play this game, but we can. You know? Henry VIII. So, yeah, it goes on. Um, how... So Henry VIII declared that anyone could, who uh, kept a bowling green had to pay a fee of £100. However, the green could only be used for private games, and the edicit forbid anyone to play a bowl or bowls in open space out of his own garden or orchard. So that means, you know, artificers, laborers, apprentices, services, and the like were completely forbidden from playing bowls or bowling except in their master's house and in the presence at Christmas. The sport would have been played as a part of the 12 days of Christmas. That was still allowed. That was enjoyed during Tudor England. You know, that's when you get the whole Boxing Day. And it's kind of which provided the working class an opportunity for rare pleasures such as visiting a zoo or watching plays and jousting matches and apparently also bowling. Yeah? And now... In 1555 comes along Queen Mary, and she even outlawed the game on Christmas. Yeah, because she said it provided cover for unlawful assemblies of seditions, conspirators, and convincilias. Yeah, that's the dude in his team. You got dude, the Walter, and, uh, you know, and Donnie. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of conspirators, man. Yeah, yeah, I was one of the... Uh, Original writers of the port here on uh, stay, you know, not the watered down second version. <laughs> so yeah, Queen Mary figured it out that these bowlers, uh-uh, they were no good for her reign. Now moving on, King James, yeah, he banned bowling also on Sundays in 1618 when he issued the Declaration of Sports, which banned bowling on Sundays, but did allow dancing and archery, as one of the first attended. As one first attended a church service, at this time, of course, you know, the, uh, the game was called Nine Pins because of, uh, it was so popular. And then I think personally that, you know, the, basically, you know, the, the Brits had had enough and they wanted to go bowling. They'd had enough, so they went to America, <laughs> right? And so then we see in uh, basically in 1609 that Nine Pins comes to America through the Dutch East Indian Company. And, you know, the explorer Henry Hudson colonizing New Amsterdam, uh, actually when it was called. Henry Hudson was actually Dutch, so he brought this over from the Netherlands. But those of you who really know your, your history know that quite a lot of the uh, first settlers uh, and the pilgrims didn't actually come from England, but they came through the Netherlands first. And if you don't believe me, check out the Leiden uh, church that they built. Yeah, they built a whole church in Leiden while they were waiting. Anyways, um, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, Hudson's men brought some form of this lolling ball game with them. In fact, today... In New York, you can see the Bowling Green, which is the original park during that day in which the English, the Dutch, and the German settlers invariably came together and they would play bowling. Now, this is, you know, uh, the one of the earliest mentions of in serious American literature is by Washington Irving, 
um, when Whip Van Winkle awakens the sound of crashing nine pins. The first permanent American bowling uh, location was right here in New York, right next to the Charging Bull, right in, uh, in New York's Battery Park, right on the edge there. And get this. Even though it's the oldest park in New York, even though it's got the oldest fence around New York, you still cannot go onto the grass now and play bowls. So yet again, <laughs> it is illegal to play in New York. So here we have another round, right? So let's check out what happened. Why is it that, you know, what, what goes further in the story? Well, what happened was in America in 1841, Nine Pins was also made illegal in New York City. Yeah, it was, uh, um, I forget which uh, mayor it was, but, you know, the 1st of January in 1840, these Knickerbocker alleys, as they were called, um, all of a sudden started opening up and they brought in, instead of Nine Pins, which was basically banned in several states to combat gambling, except for Texas, Texas is the only state in America that you can still play nine pins. They just added another pin and called it 10 pins or bowling. So instead of doing the diamond, they basically did uh, the, the triangle shape. And that is the game that in North America we know and love and play today. And in fact, if you look in different parts of the world, you'll see that, you know, these different versions of the game actually exist. So, for instance, in the States, we have, you know, our standard pins, we have duck pins, and we have candlestick pins, but we all always use 10 pins mostly. Now, in uh, Europe, they have what's called Kegel, um, and that's typically nine pins that is used instead. And actually, up in, uh, up in, Canada, I'm not sure why, but they, they just went with five pins. They said, no, nah, we'll just do half of what America does and we'll go five pins instead. And so they, uh, they actually do a, a five pin uh, bowling you can find there. Now, here's some little interesting facts about bowling. Why is it called a turkey? Well, when someone scores three strikes in a row, they call it a turkey. A strike is when you knock down all pins on the first try. And the reason why they called it uh, a turkey is because back in the day, it was really hard to get three strikes in a row, even harder than today because they didn't have the level, even, you know, uh, uh, perfect floorboards, you know, there were all the stuff. No, these were just, you know, lawns basically right and it was always uneven you know bumps would happen so as a promotional giveaway yeah they used to do promotional giveaways back then if you did do um i believe it was um around the 1800s when they first started to, to do this for three strikes in a row you would get a turkey if you did four strikes in a row you get a ham bone right six strikes in a row would be considered a wild turkey and nine strikes is basically, you know, almost perfect game was, was then called a golden turkey. I don't think they actually, there's no recording of an actual golden turkey being given. Um, and a perfect game is actually called a dinosaur because it hardly ever happens, right? Supposedly because it's non-existent. Um, and I believe it was uh, Grazio Castellano who was the first to bowl a perfect game on live television on October 4th, 1953. Just another little bit of uh, uh, bullying knowledge for you there. So 
Moving on to 1895, that's when the standard rules for American Bowling Congress begins, right? On the September 9th, 1895, the American Bowling Congress changed the point system from a maximum of 200 points for 20 balls to a maximum of 300 points for 12 balls and set the maximum ball weight of 16 pounds, the pin distance of 12 inches, and it was the first National Bowling Congress held the first championship then in 1901 one which really established a standardized rules for the game that we know today now one problem that you know they had which um was you know not too uh, not too many parents were happy about was they would basically employ kids back in the day to set up all the pins now that all changed luckily in 1940 when all of a sudden we got the automatic 10 pin automation system so that these kids didn't have to stand in the back and you know have these 12 pound or 16 pound balls being flung at them you know um I'm sure quite a few of them uh, got a busted toe or two. But yeah, this made the game uh, a lot safer in the 1940s. And this is what we all know today. In fact, um, it was uh, 1936 that Gottfried Schmidt invented the mechanical pin setter while he was at the uh, AMF firm. Yeah. Um, here's another little bit of interesting uh, news. Now, some of you that know the Big Lebowski may recognize the photograph of Nixon, yeah, President Nixon bowling, right? He was an avid bowler. In fact, um, there's been a couple of uh, bowling alleys that were in the White House. In 1948, as a birthday gift for President Harry S. Truman, they built the ground floor of the West Wing. Um, they basically created a uh, uh, bowling alley for him. Um, the lanes were unfortunately removed in 1955 to make way for a mimograph room. I'm not really sure what a mimograph is. But in 1969, um, Richard M. Nixon was said to be an advert bowler. Had one, a one a, he had a one-lane alley built in an underground space below the building's north portico. Yeah, and so since 1998 until 2013, um, well, so for many years there was a uh, bowling uh, alley actually in the White House, and we know that Truman and Nixon are both uh, fans of the game. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll get another bowler in there someday. Now, unfortunately, since 1998, the U.S. has basically seen a decline in the popularity of bowling, which I think is a, a real shame. In fact, so much so that the bowling alley that was used to film The Big Lebowski is no longer there. That's right. It's been taken down, torn down. It is gone. So I'm curious what's going to happen to this game because, let's be honest, it's been around for over 5,000 years. It's, it's not going to stop. There's going to be new forms and new versions of the game coming up. And, you know, one thing I do see is I, I see some really interesting video games that are playing with the game mechanics of, you know, both bowling and of uh, uh, basically... Uh, mini golf, you know, you got these VR mini bowling games where you're moving your bowling ball, right? You've got uh, the Wii game where people are actually, you know, playing bowling in their house virtually. So the game mechanics are solid on this game. And I don't think it's going to die. I think yet again, we will see some new version of it start to emerge. And so, yeah, that was pretty much uh, it. Um, that was the... Uh, 
the history of bowling. And I hope that you uh, enjoyed that little history of bowling there.